Welcome back, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello. Are we doing this all in British? Do we have a guest coming today? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God, who is it? It's the Queen of England. <laughs> hey, my God, she's here. I'm here. Oh, hello, Queen. Hello, darling. <laughs> you sound more like Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> hello, darling. <laughs> she left. That's good. I'm glad she left. I don't know who that was. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> our first celebrity guest <laughs> we weren't prepared no we weren't all right well we're doing another british american romantic comedy this week one of your favorites one of my favorites it's bridget jones's diary and Mrs. Mrs. this came out in 2001 so so what were you doing in 2001 this was like a blip year. I've lived in Tennessee most of my adult life, but this one year I lived in Atlanta and I worked at Delta Airlines for their technology help desk. Mm -hmm. And I was actually there during 9-11. Oh, that's right. So I had just gotten to work and I sat down and I looked up at, they had like these huge TV screens there and I saw one of the towers on fire. And I was like, what is going on? And so, you know, I was talking with some friends at work and then all of a sudden the second one hit and times they did change at that very moment. So that's the most memorable part of 2001 for me. Yeah. Well, for me in 2001, I moved to L.A. Ooh. Briefly. Yeah. I wasn't there long, but yeah, I was there basically for the summer. I was meant to be there you know, forever, <laughs> but it wasn't the place for me. No. I dreamt of living there for so long and then. Once I was finally there, it was like, I think my skin wasn't thick enough to live out there. Really? Yeah. Like, oh. it just the expectations, I felt like, at least from the people that I was surrounded by, it's like, I just remember I was still kind of in college, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was in Tennessee, and I was used to, like, being able to go to the store in, like, comfy clothes, like right. pajama bottoms. And, you know, not that you should actually do that, but when you're a college kid, it's you like... You do. You eh. go to Walmart at 2 a.m., and you've right. got your pajamas on, Yes, but out there, it did not feel like that. Like, you, you felt like you had to be on point everywhere you went. It was a lot of pressure. And, yeah, it just didn't feel right to me at the time, so... I came back home with my tail between my legs, oh. but thankfully I did because I actually moved back in August of 2001. Like it was at the end of August. So it was just a couple of weeks before 9-11. Mm -hmm. And I remember being thankful that I had moved back because I felt like if I had waited, I would have been too scared to get on a plane. Yeah. And, you know, who knows when I would have come back. So anyway, that was the biggest thing that was going on for me in 2001 mm. was my big move across the country. Some big things for the both of us that yeah. year. Plus, this movie came out. Plus, Bridget Jones's Diary came out. I did have good times in L.A. too, I will you say. Did. It's not like it was all awful, you know. You'll have to share some of those on a, another episode. Yes. All right, let's get into the movie. So it was directed by Sharon McGuire, and it was written by Richard Curtis, Andrew Davies, and Helen Fielding. And it's based on the novel by Helen Fielding, which was a reinterpretation of Jane Austen's 1813 novel, Pride and Prejudice which is where it's funny because you have the 
Mark Darcy and Mr. Darcy. And Colin mm-hmm. Firth actually plays both roles. Like he plays Mr. Darcy in the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice. Right. So it's pretty funny to see how he plays them. Some of his facial expressions and stuff are very similar and it makes me giggle. He's awesome. I love him. So this is a story about Bridget Jones, a 32-year-old woman. Right away, you feel like you know her very well because we get to hear her most intimate thoughts from her diary. That's the name of the movie. It opens with her living a pretty mundane life, but things change quickly as two men, Daniel Cleaver and Mark Dawson. (laughs) It's hard to say it in an American accent. It is. They enter her life and vie for her attention. So this stars Renee Zellweger as Bridget Jones and the aforementioned Colin Firth as Mark Dawson. (laughs) You have Hugh Grant as Daniel Cleaver (laughs) and Jim Broadbent as Mr. Colin Jones. Gemma Jones as Miss Pamela Jones. Those are both Bridget's parents, by the way. Yes. And Celia Emery as Una Alkenberry. James Faulkner as Uncle Jeffrey. Bob, Bob. (laughs) And Shirley Henderson was Jude. James Callis played Tom. And Sally Phillips played Sharon or Shazza. 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 I always love that. Lisa Barbuccia, I think is how you say it, played Laura. Good job. And M. Beth Davids was Natasha Glenville. Both awful characters. Yes. And Patrick Barlow played Julian. Another terrible character. Mm -hmm. Julian. Julian. So fun facts. The success of this movie spawned a Bridget Jones franchise with two equally successful sequels. You had Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason that came out in 2004 and Bridget Jones's Baby that came out in 2016. Now, I don't think I've seen Bridget Jones's Baby. I have. Which one of these do you like the most? I assume this first one, but I shouldn't assume. Yeah, I like the first movie the best, and I like Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason. I like that book better. Oh, do you? Yes. Okay. So. Was there a third book as well? I am not sure. Hmm. I should look into it, though. If there is, I would read it. So Andrew Davies, who was the screenwriter of the 1995 television adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, collaborated on the screenplays for both the 2001 and 2004 Bridget Jones films. And like I said before, Colin played both Mr. Darcy and Mark Darcy. And he accepted the role of Mark Darcy because it gave him an opportunity to kind of poke fun and break free from his Pride and Prejudice character. I love that. I would assume that's a very serious character. Yes. So considered for the role of Bridget Jones, you had Helena Bonham Carter, (laughs) Kate Blanchett, Emily Watson, Rachel Wise, who was considered too beautiful for the role, which is a little mean to all involved. Yeah. Cameron Diaz. Tony Collette, who declined the role because she was on Broadway at the time. Oh, wow. Kate Winslet was also considered, but she was only 24, so they thought she was too young. So Renee Zellweger was cast in May of 2000, which concluded a two-year search. Two years searching for one character. It's crazy. It's crazy that people's salaries are paid that long to oh, like search. The casting? To, people, yeah, just yeah. to search for somebody. <laughs> Renee worked on her accent with Barbara Berkeley, who had helped Gwyneth Paltrow for Shakespeare in Love. Apparently, there was a lot of controversy around the film because they had chosen an American to play such a British heroine. But once it came out, it was considered to be high standard. Yeah, her accent is good. Yes. And honestly, you get British people playing Americans all the time. So what's the problem? I know. And usually you can tell they're British. Yeah. It creeps through a little bit. It does. They think they're being cool (laughs) and American, but they're not. And Renee also gained 20 pounds for the part. I wonder what she did to do that. Like, is there a, a good way to like put on weight like that? Or it's just like eat pizza because I've got it down. I could put 20 pounds on in about a week. <laughs> 
So the director, Sharon McGuire, is one of Fielding's friends, and the character of Shazza, which is English slang for Sharon, is based on her, reportedly. I love that. Although I think she said that Shazza is a bit wittier than she is in real life. (laughs) So Renee was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress and the BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role, among many other awards and nominations for this role. Her leading men were also nominated. Were they? Yeah. Yeah, everybody did a really good job in this movie. Mm -hmm. So the film soundtrack, which is fantastic, was composed by Patrick Doyle. It features two hit songs that were released as singles, Out of Reach by Gabrielle. And It's Raining Men by Jerry Halliwell. It's raining men. Spice. Ginger. It became Hallowell's fourth consecutive number one hit single on the UK singles charts, and it became her most successful solo single to date. Wow. We actually saw this on an interview the other day, but Hugh Grant didn't hear Zellweger speak in her American accent until the film's rap party. He said not once did she stop speaking with that accent. When suddenly this weird Texan appeared, <laughs> he's like, I wanted to call security. I didn't know who the f- she was. <laughs> So the epic fight scene between Hugh Grant and Colin Firth was not choreographed. In a Vulture article about the greatest fight scenes in movie history, writer Denise Martin recalled the improvised fight. There were no stunt coordinators, no elaborate choreography, just a perfectly realized wimp brawl between two upper middle class Englishmen coming to awkward fisticuffs in front of a Greek restaurant. (laughs) That was so funny. And it's a perfect way to put it. so good, too. They did great. They really did. It's such a real fight between people that don't know how to fight. Mm -hmm. So Renee said that the day that they were filming the scenes in the fire station, they ran out of time before they could get the shot of her sliding down the pole. So later on pickup filming day, she said that they kept thinking about how they didn't get that shot. She said, I looked across the room and I saw that there was this plain old practical pole that just happened to be in that room. And the camera guys ran over there and set the camera up on the floor. And I climbed up that pole and slid down and landed on the camera. (laughs) (laughs) So we also found out Renee spent three weeks working at a publishing house in London to prep for the role. She worked at Picador, which is the novel's publishing company. No one knew that she was an undercover film star except for her boss. And she ended up being rather good at the job. Camilla Elworthy, who was her boss there, wrote that she was so helpful at one meeting, the deputy publisher thought, we need to hire this person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if she ever needed to quit her day job. Yeah. So what are your favorite moments? Well, it's the one I was just talking about, that fight scene. Yeah. In it, we get that spot with Tom when he runs over to the restaurant. And opens the door and he's like, fight, it's a real fight. And he gets everybody to come outside and you see them having their normal dude fight. He's so excited because he's it's like he's never experienced a fight like this in his life where it's like, meet me outside. And yeah, he just has to share it with everyone. He's very excited. (laughs) And it cuts back to the two of them like trying to kick each other, which is amazingly awkward and silly. But then the fight spills over into the Greek restaurant and it's like interrupting this kid's birthday. So they all just kind of pause for a second and sing along, sing along. (laughs) Then that's when Daniel tackles him through the window and the fight kind of ends. But I love that fight. It's amazing. Mark gets in some great punches, too. He does. And he wins the fight. Yes. And Daniel deserved it. He did. 
The thing is, is at the time, nobody else knew the truth. Like they all thought that it was Mark that had slept with Daniel's fiance, but it was actually the other way around and it was Mark's wife. So people didn't quite know who to root for. Even though Daniel had cheated on Bridget, they were like, yeah, but if this Mark guy did this, then he deserves a good ass whooping. But they didn't know the truth. Like Mark was the shit at this point. Right. My number one is the entire opening scene. Well, there's a little bit before this, but when the opening credits are rolling and Bridget is on her couch drinking wine and singing all by myself in her pajamas. It's like secret single behavior at its finest, (laughs) which if you watch Sex in the City, you know what that is. Her SSB, it's the stuff that you did when you were single and living alone that nobody knew what you did. Can you reveal any of yours? I feel like the thing I did that I don't do anymore, but I don't even think it's because I'm not single anymore. It's just I would go into the kitchen in the middle of the night and get like a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't snack in the middle of the night anymore, mm-hmm. but I definitely used to do that. That would keep me up all night if I tried to do that. Yeah. But now it's like we have all these cameras and stuff. So I just <laughs> feel like I would I would wake you up if I went out there. So I don't I don't go out there. Yeah. We get lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. But that's just such a such a great way to introduce a character because you just love her right away. Yeah. She's so personable at that point. Mm -hmm. Relatable. Yes. All right. My second one, the Tarts and Vickers scene. (laughs) How absolutely mortifying that would be. It's such a great bit of acting by Renee there to portray how uncomfortable she is and how uncomfortable you would be. Yeah, to show up in a Playboy bunny outfit and everybody else is just dressed normally. (laughs) The worst. Very awkward. My next one is when Bridget and Daniel go on holiday. I love when she's like, Hurrah, I'm no longer tragic spinster, but proper girlfriend of bona fide sex god. So committed that he's taking me on a full-blown mini-break holiday weekend. And they get to the hotel and there's this big wedding going on. And the only other people there that aren't involved in the wedding are Mark and Natasha. Of course. Like, what are the odds? Right. But there's this moment where the four of them are all out there in canoes, not together. They're a good bit away from each other. But Daniel and Bridget are wasted. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I started to say Hugh, but Daniel is like reading poetry. But, you know, he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he's just, you know. A mess. A mess. And he (laughs) falls into the water and Bridget's laughing and they're just having the best time. And Mark and Natasha are both watching them. And Natasha's just being judgy. But you see this tiny little smirk on Mark's face because he's like, oh, I want to be having fun like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's also kind of like, oh, I love Bridget's laugh or whatever it is. He, I think, is jealous that he's not having fun like that. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Next for me, the scene with Bridget and her friends at her birthday party where Bridget has like cooked all this food for everyone. Which, why is she the one cooking on her birthday, by the way? Yeah, that sucks. And everyone gets there and they know that it's going to be bad, but they're all doing their best to enjoy it, but also have a good time with the fact that it's not any good. The blue soup is the best. That blue soup is incredible. (laughs) So my next one is the ending where Mark has come back for Bridget and they keep having like an almost kiss because we haven't seen them kiss yet. They go back up to Bridget's flat and Bridget takes a minute to like freshen up. And while she's in there, Mark happens to see her diary that is laying there open where she has just trashed him. Repeatedly. Yes. And so he's reading all this awful stuff and, you know, his face is expressionless pretty much. You can't really tell what he's thinking. He leaves. She comes out and she's just in her underwear and a tank top. (laughs) 
And she sees that he's walking away. She sees that he's read her diary. And she's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so she runs out. She realizes what she's wearing. She runs back in to just throw a cardigan on and some tennis shoes and takes off running through the streets of London. It's snowing. Ain't no mountain high enough by Diana Ross is playing. It's very dramatic. And, you know, you're just hoping she can catch up to him. And not freeze. Yeah. She passes a guy on the street and he's like, crazy girl. (laughs) (laughs) She finally sees him and finds out that he was actually buying her a new diary so she can have a fresh start. So they finally kiss and... Someone Like You by Van Morrison is playing. I've been searching a long time Someone exactly like you And I love this moment where she's like Wait a minute Nice boys don't kiss like that And he goes Oh yes they Someone exactly like <laughs> and he goes in again. Ah, oh, such a great moment with the snow. People are watching. I love the part in that when he wraps his coat around her. I know. I thought that was so sweet. It is. Very romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. All right, HMs. We're already at HMs. Already wow. at HMs. We're flying through this. My first one, the scene where Bridget is quitting her job. Who of all people sticks up for her? Perpetua. 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 And they're not friends, or I put down here, they're not even mates. <laughs> and also, I love the name Perpetua. I know. I wish I knew someone named Perpetua so Me I could too. say it all the time. I wonder if it's like common during any time period. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard it in anything other than this. Yeah, we watch here. a lot of things from the UK. Right. And we've been there. Yeah, so we've been there. We're famous. Like 10 days. <laughs> Didn't meet anyone named Perpetua. No, not one. <laughs> Okay, my first HM, when Mark says to Bridget, I like you very much. And she's just like, yeah, aside from my smoking and drinking and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. I like you very much, just as you are. And then I love how it cuts to her friend's faces as she's telling them what happened. And they all just look stunned, you know, and they're like, just as you are, not thinner or clever or with slightly bigger breast and a slightly smaller nose. So it's just a really great moment. And then I love the after effects of it, too. Just, you know, sharing it with your friends. Yeah, her friends are like, oh, yes, (laughs) (laughs) you found him. All right. Next up for me, the tits pervert scene, (laughs) the book release. (laughs) Tits pervert. Tits pervert. So Bridget is fighting with herself internally. Yes. To not say Mr. Fitzherbert's name wrong when she's introducing him because tits pervert is her nickname for him. Because he's always staring at her boobs. He is. And, you know, it sounds kind of like Fitzherbert. It does. <laughs> She's about to say it, and then her mind's like, Tits perfect. Mr. Tits perfect. Mr. Tits perfect. Fitzherbert. She hesitates, and yep. everybody's just kind of staring at her, uh-huh. and eventually she gets it out. But it's a great scene. My favorite part of that is after she gets it out, and then she goes, Because of that is his name. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, when Bridget confesses to Mark that she feels the same way about him, she says all these great things, but she's also honest because she says, I seriously believe that you should rethink the length of your sideburns. (laughs) She does. I love it when she tells him that. (laughs) All right, my last one, Bridget's parents, when Colin forgives Pam (laughs) and then calls her a daft cow. (laughs) Which seems just so very British to me. Yes. I hope there's a lot of daft cow calling in Britain. (laughs) 
I'm joking, you daft cow. It's a term of endearment. Yes. My last one is very tiny, but I love the fact that Mark will wear the Christmas jumper and the Christmas tie that his mom has made for him to whatever, you know, New Year's party, Christmas parties that he goes to. He's being a very good son. He is. He's just a sweet guy. Yeah. And we get to see that carry on in the next movie, too. So I I love that they keep that theme going. Spoilers. (laughs) And that's it for Bridget Jones. Dang, we flew through that. I know. So 2001, what are your songs? Give me your first one. First one for me, Weezer, Hashpipe. This song is just so 2001 to me. I'm a fan of Weezer. Yeah. But this was my introduction to them. Very mainstream as far as that band goes, but I really love that song. My first one is a cover of a song. It was the collab of the century. Super group. Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim, Maya, and Pink with Lady Marmalade. It was just such a fun song. You know, it came along with Moulin Rouge and just amazing performers that you never thought you'd see together. I still remember, you know, that video. They all look like they're, you know, in a brothel. And it's just so fun. It's such a fun video. And I especially remember their performance at the VMAs. I don't know if I recall that, but the video was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the movie in particular makes me think of 2001 because I had the soundtrack playing while I was reading a book and both of them stick in my head as far as hearing come what may. Mm. And then it makes me think of sections of the book I was reading. That's fun. All right. My second one, Petey Pablo, Raise Up. So this one just gets me pumped up. I love hearing the start of this song. And then they're taking their shirts off and they're twisting them around their head like a helicopter. Yeah, they are. (laughs) (laughs) This so reminds me of going clubbing in Orlando. Yes. I moved to Orlando in 2002, but this was still playing at the clubs. Right. And yeah, good times. Big time in the clubs. Mm -hmm. And my last one is by Nerd, N-E-R-D, Rockstar. And really any of the songs that are on this album in search of this was a shift in my musical taste for me, I feel right. And it reminds me also of Orlando riding around with my friends. And one of my most favorite nights ever was going to see nerd live in concert at the house of blues i was already super excited because i love pharrell you know and i love chad and shay and i'd never seen them live we kept hearing that there would be a special guest and it was orlando so we had a feeling but sure enough it was justin timberlake oh really he came out there with him yeah for the whole show yeah for the whole show yeah and we were right up front wow what a great special guest though for you in particular yeah i know because i was gonna go anyway obviously But yeah, it was like a bonus Justin Timberlake concert because, I mean, he and Pharrell were really close at that time and they were working together on his solo stuff and all of that. So, yeah, he was out there singing along to all the songs. And I feel like he did 
maybe like Senorita and something. This was in 2004. So like his first album had already come out. He did a couple of his own songs did he? that he had done with Pharrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was when he was dating Cameron Diaz. So she was right there on the side stage. We were right up front. So you could see. You could see her over there? Yeah, she was right there. And then his best friend Trace was dating Alicia Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. They were there too. So it was like. Star studded. Yeah. Holy cow. They're in Orlando, downtown Disney. Dang, that is awesome. <laughs> I know. It was a really fun night. And yeah, I just love that whole album. So I was excited when I saw 2001 because we don't get to pick a lot of 2000s music. So That's funny. I think I missed everything by Nerd. Oh, you I, should listen to it. It's good I should. Stuff. You just played me this song. I It's not familiar to me, but it sounded pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. So I might have to check them out. For me, it was like this blending of rock and rap yeah. and R&B and, and something just totally unique and felt like kind of futuristic. Right. Too. I don't know. I loved it. I still love it. I can see why. So that's it for this one. Hope you're all getting into the holiday spirit. We have a lot of fun, festive content coming up. So stay tuned. I can't wait for it. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash Fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcast and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter, so if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.